Hello and welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Sandra Lewin and I am your host. I'm on the mission to make insurance a career choice, not a chance. Together with my amazing guests, we are sharing our career stories, tips and much more and hope to inspire to join and remain in insurance. The industry is changing, so it couldn't be a better time to showcase the fantastic women across the insurance market. Let's jump into today's episode. Once I got into the office with Bamisha, we are recording in person on this one. I got very excited to record and I forgot the basics of the podcast recording, which is introduce your guest. So here's a bit about Bamisha before we get going. Bamisha Alao, who is the graduate program in WTW. She has been in insurance for just over two years and has already established an inspiring network in the market that many of us can only dream of even 10 years into the industry. Aside from her full-time job, Bamisha is also an ACIN ambassador. She's a member of WTW Multicultural Inclusion Network Committee, and she's also a WTW Young Professional Network Committee. She's very active in supporting young and future talent in the insurance industry. She has been recently shortlisted for the Insurance Age Young Broker of the Year, which really well deserved, and congratulations. Bamisha makes networking look easy, yet as she explains in this episode, it took practice and dedication to establish this skill and position herself and her personal brand in the market. Alongside her LinkedIn content creation for nearly 4,000 followers, Bamisha also has a TikTok account where she promotes the insurance industry to the future and upcoming talent. It was a true pleasure to record with Bamisha and I took plenty of notes away from this recording. So I hope you find it helpful too. Let's get into it. Hello, Bamisha. Hi, hi, Sandra. <laughs> Lovely to have you on Thank the podcast, you. 100 Women in Insurance Industry. Um, we met thanks to an amazing another woman yes. uh, called Yasmin, who hosted a great program last year now, isn't yeah. it? Last year about how to get on LinkedIn, which was really good. So that's how we met. But when I met you, I was very interested to find out more about how much actually you spend time helping others get oh. into insurance and especially around the dni space and we've just been chatting coming up to this podcast um about networking and i am yeah. just amazed as to where the networking has taken you and how you've kind of taken the ownership of your career and your network uh, which is great and we'll, we'll touch on that uh, throughout throughout this but we always start with one question Career in insurance, choice or a chance? Okay, so for me, it was definitely a conscious choice. So my mentor at the time, I had about three graduate offers and we sat down. He happened to be based in insurance and was quite biased, obviously. So he gave me the advice of it's a better work-life balance, the people are better. I think so my options were either accounting or insurance. So I had two accounting offers and one for insurance. Because it was a brokerage and a great company, he kind of said that it was a better option for me. And then I was asking around. I think I did a lot of my own personal research. I had some friends who were in accounting at the time. And honestly, I think the long nights, lack of holidays during busy periods and just the general lifestyle wasn't for me. But I think I was mostly concerned about having a work-life balance 
my early 20s which is why I prioritized that over my career potentially encountering so I decided to look over into the insurance side went to a few networking events I met some great people thought honestly this is a better option for me the graduate team seemed not less intense but I guess more manageable for myself mm-hmm. in terms of like deadlines expectations I thought comparing all the facts I had I'd rather be in insurance so yeah yeah I think thank you for that and I think what's so important you talk about work-life balance and I think we can't confuse it with you don't want to work hard is is actually looking after your sort of mental health care your life enjoying your life um whilst working and I think people often confuse the two but you know that certainly isn't the case and it's interesting that you did choose insurance I think insurance has a negative um, sort of narrative but actually you're right work-life balance is one of the biggest benefits here yeah um so you joined on the grad scheme uh those who don't know what grad scheme is could you just give a bit of an overview how does it work and what is it yeah so essentially a graduate scheme is a accelerated program where you're on a quite a strict training regime where you have to complete certain deadlines i have so in my case i'm completing the aci within three years I have to complete an apprenticeship at the same time. We have internal graduate modules to complete. So we're going through all the Willis systems. We have like an RNA curriculum where we go through literally every Willis tool available and how to use it. Mm-hmm. We then have to present this to the North American grads, our program overviewer. I have a buddy, I have a learning coach. I have a personal like development coach. We have to have a compulsory mentor internally. So. I say about a team of 10 people are watching me at any given point in terms of progression, mm. how I'm doing, including my, my line manager, my head of department, head of team, et cetera. But also I have like graduate scheme allocated people that just essentially watch and monitor my progress. A lot is expected of us in terms of like the grads tend to stay on and take on leadership roles. We have a speaker series where we bring in senior leaders that happen to have either been with a graduate scheme or know the career profession I've been here for 25 odd years and like a lot of them tend to be ex-grads and now raising positions that have happened to stay on but I would say in my graduate scheme it's very much um well respected in the industry very vigorous I wouldn't say that I'm overwhelmed but I think it's definitely conscious that I have deadlines to complete mm. all the time like even when I'm on holiday I'm always aware of like my next pending exam or course block deadline or say if I have an essay due for my apprenticeship program we have a lot of deadlines to keep up with. So I'd say just we have regular calls with our um, learning coach. We check in with him on our progress. If he falls behind, we have to explain why. So I think yeah. it's not intense, I would say, but it's definitely we're held accountable for our progress. That's that's really interesting and certainly not, not a lazy program. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not. And, and ACII is an insurance accreditation and yeah. it's the highest kind of achievement. I mean, I think there is a fellowship or something like that there after, is, yeah. but ACII is kind of like the, the advanced level. So it's, so it's to do it in three years. Um, it's a lot of work <laughs> yep. on top of everything else you're doing. But I guess that also gives you a good idea of what uh, what you can expect from insurance, gives you a good insight to, to the whole uh, industry. So where are you at the moment in your graduate scheme? So I'm currently at the end of my first year. I've completed my certificates, my CERT, CII and insurance. I'm working towards my diploma, so that should be done in the next five to six months, I would say. And then after that, I'm doing my ACII. But I would say exactly halfway through, but I have to finish my... ACI within three years, so I'd say roughly halfway through. But um, 
in terms of graduate scheme, I'm on my second rotation now. So I'm now working in directors and officers liability. So essentially that is ensuring the C-suite. It's a very, very cool job. <laughs> I love my new team, it's great. Um, I would say I'm really happy that I've moved. I got to move a few months early actually. So I moved in May. So I've been in my current team for about two and a half months. Mm-hmm. So. Amazing. So what do you do in your team then? What's your what's your role? If we think, in, and I know you do TikToks already <laughs> yeah. on Day in Life, which I'm loving. Thank you. Um, so if we were to think of a TikTok Day in Life that explains your current job, so not just, you know, a okay. day, but like a day in life that Jenny focuses on, hey, this is what I do. What would it be? So I say in DNO, it's definitely different to my previous team and the we don't really go to Lloyd. So I'm I work with Lloyd Marcus, but not really broking in Lloyd. Okay. So my day to day would start with like a nine a.m. Sorry, I would come in at eight fifteen a.m. I'd tend to revise for about forty five minutes to an hour. Right. Then I'd check my emails. I'd have a team meeting around like nine o'clock, nine thirty. Or have a buddy catch up with my mentor, or I'd have a coffee with my mentor, etc. And then by like ten o'clock, I'm normally having calls with underwriters or with clients more meetings to discuss the accounts we're on, or I would say we are um, going through training. So since I've moved into a new apartment, I have training about once a week. So mm-hmm. either like a Monday or a Thursday, I'll do training with someone in my team. And then after that, we tend to have a lot of social events because we don't really go to Lloyd's. We build our relationships externally. So the underwriters take us out for drinks or have a meal together or go to do activities. Like example, I had training a few weeks ago with an underwriter. So we had lunch and we went to his office I did about an hour and a half of training with him. So I would say right now it's very training focused. I have a lot of lunches, coffees, catch-ups, after work drinks about once a week, I would say. So great social culture. I think I really love my team. It's really diverse, very dynamic. I'm being pushed every day. I'm learning so much. Like I actually got to sit down with the wordings expert in my team a few weeks ago Mm. to just go through our own dark star wording, like just understand what was going on because Honestly, it's one thing reading it. It's a lot better having someone who actually understands it intensely and so understands it thoroughly, explain to you like how the wording works. I think that was very insightful. And then I would say after all of that, and so by 4 p.m., I'm normally having catch-up calls with like either mentors, learning coaches. Sometimes we have lectures. So essentially um, we'll go into like a virtual classroom and we'll have a two-hour lecture on whatever module we're revising for. So we recently finished insurance law, so I'm currently revising for insurance law, but I finished my modules or lectures about four weeks ago now, so I've had about four weeks to revise. My exam is due by the end of August, so I'll be doing that very soon then, yeah. Amazing. So you mentioned social skill. I mean, broking, yeah. um, uh, you know, I did a broken role in the past, and I mean, insurance overall, I call it, it's a very human kind of industry, right? It's all about networking, all about getting together. If you think of broken specifically and based on your previous placement and your current um, what rotation, I think is the words you, you use, um, what, what do you think is this key skill set? And the reason why I ask about it is a lot of people coming into insurance, there's this thing about, do I have to be a broker, underwriter, otherwise you're not succeeding? <laughs> and, and it couldn't be further from truth. There are really other roles available out there. But if you are new to the industry and you are going into breaking, social, you know, being out there talking to people, that's a big part of your job. Yeah. What else do you think makes us of a good broker? I think attention to detail. So when I was asking when I first joined the graduate scheme, what makes a good broker? What I heard from a lot of senior brokers is that you have to be good at 
detail. You have to know your risk inside and out. You have to understand how to understand your slip, go through it. Like I was going through clips today and trying to do some training on them and it's not easy, but I think getting to the clauses, understanding what they all mean, when to have certain endorsements. I think a lot of um, the time, the glamorous side of the role is going into like meet your underwriters, broking the risk, going back to the office, like sending emails, calling them back, et cetera. But I think the admin or the technical side is where the actual brokers are made. Like you have mm. to be able to understand the risk inside and out and really understand your slip, understand what you're giving them, understand why they can't have certain exclusions. I think to understand, to get to the point where you can go out on your own and actually sit down with the underwriter and like discuss and negotiate terms and prices, you have to know the clauses and mm. the terms and what the pricing should be to do that. So I think it's definitely understanding your technical ability. I think the main thing for me is also, you have to be very good at negotiation right. and be resilient because sometimes you'll be sending out risk to market and you'll get straight rejections. Like you could be a big broker house, a smaller broker house and still get rejected. We have so many internal processes and like we have set markets we go to and I still get rejections. Wow. I'm thinking, oh wow, like I spoke to you two days ago, <laughs> you had a coffee and now you hit this risk but it's never personal I think it's not taking the work personally it's never about mm. you it's just a case of appetite for the underwriters but I think I had a very steep learning curve where I was going out into the market into Lloyd's multiple times a week and just not getting any terms in the market <laughs> and I thought that I was doing a bad job but it's not even about the individual broker sometimes it is but sometimes it's a case like they haven't got the appetite for your risk like just finding yeah. why you have a why you have market sheets like you have to know what the underwriters want from you what they will take what they won't take I think a lot of it is experience. I think a lot of good brokers I've made over time, like with anything in life, it just takes time to really build your skill set. Mm-hmm. But it has to start from a place of you know how to talk to people, you can read and understand risk really well, and you know how to understand the clauses and like the endorsements and everything on the slip. So I think that's a really good summary. Thank you for that. Thank because you. I think when I was considering whether I should continue my career in broking or switch to something else, um, a very senior broker said to me, the higher you go up in the broking change, the more it becomes about negotiations. Your relationship are established. You know, you're, you are personal. You can get on with all these things. You've learned stuff and, and you will continue. But negotiations are key. Yeah. And that resilience piece, I think it's a really good point, you know, being resilient and keep on, keep on going after that. So, I mean, your day is very varied at the moment. Your yeah. week probably is the better way to say it, which is which is amazing. And then as well, as you said, you're learning so many skills and developing skills which are transferable to, to anything. But you you selected insurance of yeah. all the options you had. What do you wish people knew about insurance that they potentially, like before joining? So, you know, you've now joined in and you're like, oh, I wish more people knew about it. I think the power of networking, I think when we had our graduate induction, which was three weeks long, we had about three one-hour talks on networking. We had a demonstration on how to network. So they stimulated at a networking event. We also host our own internal networking events. So like the incoming graduate class will meet my current class and year above, I think in about two weeks' time. So they'll get to network before they even join the industry. So they're offer holders coming in in September and they're having an entire like evening for themselves to meet some new leaders, wow. the current graduate class, ex-grads, et cetera. So I think the company really pushed networking. And like as someone who now helps the incoming grads with networking, like I think it's really important to like 
be aware of the network. So we had like multiple sessions where they broke down the internal networks available. So we had somebody come in and say, here's the pillars of the E&I we have available. Here's the workability. Like you can join anything in the company. It's completely open to all employees. They, I think because a lot of the time people don't know what to join. They don't know it's available. I think yeah. it's no, the knowledge is key. Like because I had that session, I decided to sign up for two pillars. I'm now on the leadership committees for both the um, networks. And then um, in terms of external networks, they had a breakdown as well. So we had some really good ex-grads come in and say to us, here's what I've been involved in the last three to four years. Here's why you should join them. Here's how you get involved. Here's the email links. Here's a sign up. Everything you need to join the networks. Like we had a very thorough breakdown of how to get involved. I think because a lot of the time with um, other brokers or other grads, if you haven't had it spoon fed or like if it's mm. not blatantly obvious how to join, it can be kind of confusing. Mm. There are so many names out there. I've had incoming grads ask me like, how do I join this network? I've already emailed them. They haven't replied. Sometimes it's a case of like, you have to know them personally or push or like email a couple of times, that kind of thing. But I think um, in that case, it's really just about signing up early. So one of the, the best thing that I heard from um, an ex-grad was that the best time to join is the start of the grad scheme because you have the most time. Like right. even now, I'm a year in, I have less time for networking events and um, committee delegation or committee commitments. I'd say like, I'm happy that I got so involved at the very start of the grad scheme. I've done an entire year now on these committees. I've been involved for a whole year. Mm. And like now my name is known and I've established my presence in that network. So like, if I want to step down, take a step back, I'm already involved. I think it's much harder to join. Not harder, I think it's easy to join when you're younger and then just like work your way up in terms of like the networks responsibilities leadership roles and I think a lot of the senior leaders um in the DE&I networks also have to happen to be like doing very well in their career I think yeah. it goes hand in hand if you're if you're networking across the company you're helping to lead and execute events um seminars leadership forums that like if you're doing that already it's going to help your career by default so I think a lot of incoming grads miss that mm. and I think it's really sad because um, when you watch like ex-grads or like if you like follow people's trajectories in their careers you can tell who was actively networking and who just did their job really well but didn't think to network and like I think it's great to do your job really well it's very important it's like literally why you're being paid but outside of that when you have the time in the evening like a Wednesday you're not doing anything you may as well be a then meeting new people, figuring out what you like. like I didn't think I'd even like DNO, but I met an underwriter who works in DNO about a year ago now. We stayed in touch. We had coffees and lunches over the last year. And I was like, oh, yeah, actually, that sounds really interesting. I now work with her. Like, mm-hmm. I'm now in a team that I get to work with her, like, weekly. So I think it's just a case of, like, finding people that you click with and, like, figuring out what they do. If you like that role, you can ask them, what is the day they like? Yeah. What do you do in your role? But I think you never know what's out there until you go out and look for it. And a lot of people just don't think to look for it, which is why I think networking is so important. I think you've touched on so many interesting things. Um, I mean, first of all, amazing idea and introduction to actually teach and push the networking yeah. agenda. Because I completely agree with you. And, you know, speaking from my own experience, I've feared networking for years and avoided it like a plague. And I wish I hadn't. Um, and I think it's amazing that, you know, you've got that training and you've got that exposure. Um, but you've also put an effort because there's one thing attending to a training, yeah. another one actually executing it. 
um, which is amazing. I mean, what would you say, you know, having networked and you've networked amazingly Thank well, um, what would you say to someone that's really petrified about walking into that room and networking? What's like top tip to overcoming that fear? Okay, so I had like a 27 year old ask this question about two weeks ago. I went right. to a networking event at the Tate Britain held by Mick Bloomberg and Goldman Sachs. And I was scared because they were all investment bankers and I'm in insurance. And I, I said to her, like, it's the same thing I was saying to you now. I think no one's better than you. Mm-hmm. And stop thinking that a title or a company makes them better than you. We're all people. You can find common ground with anyone. It's like, I'll just start talking, ask them about their interests, their hobbies, their friends, like what, what they do for the, in their spare time. You can find they happen to have read a book that you like or you have a similar, you both cycle. Like, um, I'm reverse mentoring someone quite senior at Willis right now. And, like, he happens to love cycling. And I, my dad cycles a lot. So we bonded over, like, cycling and, like, racing bikes. I think it's really easy to find common ground if you just take interest. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are scared of rejection. But the best, the worst thing can say to you is, like, oh, I'm busy or I'm talking to someone else. That's not going to harm you in the long run. Mm-hmm. I think um, people get scared of, like, the idea of not being liked. But if someone doesn't like you find somebody that does I think mm. at the first I thought like oh my gosh what if people don't like me what's kind of annoying and like oh, no one cares like mm. nobody has once said to me like oh I don't like you or you're really annoying like it's not as big a deal as people think it is I think people tend to inflate how they're perceived and then any negative um, things they have about themselves like any questions or insecurities that then think oh that stranger that I've spoken to for five minutes will know that I don't like to ride bicycles they won't figure that out in five minutes no one's going to know your life story I think just it's a case of being friendly being engaged asking questions like giving information about your background where did you come from what did you study that kind of thing I think people definitely tend to overthink networking when like it's literally a case you're just talking to strangers like the same way you make a friend is the same way you should approach networking like you just ask them questions about themselves what to do for fun where do you work? Really simple, basic, entry-level questions. I think because when we had the demonstration, like about a year ago now, in the office, we were also stiff and awkward. I was thinking, mm. we're going to see each other for the next five, ten <laughs> years, and you're acting awkward now. I get it. When you first meet someone new, it can be kind of hard to like open up or be friendly. But I think if you're not extroverted, it's just a case of like making them talk, like ask them an open question. Yeah. But like, say to them like oh how do you get into insurance that people love that question like that's a you, good question to open question up to ask. right yeah. that leads to university school i don't know networking friends yeah and that expands i think that's a i think we often approach if you go to a a, a club right yeah. you're not going with and, and you bump into someone getting water at the bar um you know you're not going to be like what's your job are you actually valuing my position higher or lower like you don't these things don't come to your head you go hey you're having a good time like oh this dj is great or whatever the conversation goes um but but it's when you go to a work event you add this layer and i really like you kind of you didn't go with open with you know what's your job what's your i always say avoid that question it's not important your job your title and company because people whether you like it or not we put a badge badge straight away on you right yeah second you tell me your job your company like you have a stereotype assigned to you whether you like it or not yeah so longer we can avoid that and actually focus on you as a human being then potentially we have a better chance of building that relationship 
and I like look for something that you can have in common, common and ground. that could be anything it could be a hobby and I think like mm. with the whole title thing I had to learn coming out of uni because especially when you're on a big graduate scheme and you're all your friends are on big graduate schemes I had mm. to stop comparing my company because we're just in different industries I think for a little bit I was thinking oh but like this person is at McKinsey or this person is mm. at Bain like it doesn't even matter because we're on different career paths yeah. and, like they could end up going to a boutique in the next couple of years I could end up going somewhere else it doesn't really matter and like you can't tie your personal identity as a young person to your title and your job in your company mm. you are more than your title and your job yes it's important for networking events like obviously someone asked me what's your job I'm going to discuss like that I do DNA and liability like it's not wrong to mention that but I think it's really important to focus on like who you are as a person like yeah. you can't really form connections based on titles I think it's more a case of oh like we have something in common we're both studying for these exams like if you're on an apprenticeship program you find a grad like we're both doing the same exams like that's a great place to start like oh how hard is insurance law that's a great bonding experience like because insurance law is hard but I think it, yes <laughs> I failed <laughs> oh no I failed my I, first round I have put my exam off for a while but I think it's, it's just a case of like finding people you can click with like I think also it's okay to not click with people I think a lot of people get yes. scared that they're gonna be like rejected maybe you're not like the person as well like maybe you'll talk to the person and think oh we have nothing in common and that's okay that's you can just right. walk on to the next person and that's not rude it's perfectly fine I think people don't know how to start conversations just say hello like I had this person asking me like oh well, how do you like enter a conversation I said walk up to them wait for them to stop speaking and then you say to them hi my name is what's your name like it's not that difficult but I think mm. we definitely overthink things when it comes to networking but I think a lot of the grads on my team that don't go out to as many events as I do it's because they're still kind of confused about what to do or like what mm. to say or they think it's not necessary but I think everyone should be networking at any point in their career whether you're trying to change industry, move into insurance, move your way up insurance, you have to just know how to like, not market yourself, but like put yourself out there. Because if no one knows who you are, how would you ever find opportunities for volunteering or leadership roles or anything besides like your day-to-day -day role? I think it's really important to have that network. Like because I joined MCIN, so the Willis Leadership Committee, I'm going on a DE&I retreat this weekend, fully paid for, which honestly, I wouldn't Amazing. be doing if I hadn't had signed up for the committee about a year ago. Like, this happened, they had space, I was free, they wanted people to come from the network, and they said, oh, we have space. Like, I said, yes, I'd love to come on a net retreat to learn about um, diversity and inclusion, how I can better help my company, how I can better help um, my peers, my colleagues. Like, it's really important to be if you're passionate about something, go find your passions and your joys. And I think that my grad scheme is really good at, like, I get the space to do all of those things. Like, yeah. I'm really passionate about young people progressing their careers. I'm on the Young Professional Network. I'm really passionate about DE&I. I'm on the Diversity and Inclusion Network. It's, it's not that hard to get involved. Like, it was so easy to sign up for my networks and, like, become a leader or, like, a committee member so quickly. There was no interview process. I just got to, like, be a member, which is honestly, like, why I think everyone should sign up for not mm. everyone. We need more sign ups for my own company, but I think it's a case of like people think there's like a massive barrier and there's not. I no. think a lot of the time the glass is in your head. Sometimes yeah. it does exist. I'm not denying that. But other times like I think it's no space for you. Like they need you but you haven't signed up. And like I think people just are apprehensive to sign up because in case they don't feel valued, like it becomes too much. But if you get overwhelmed, like I'm getting overwhelmed now. I've just stepped down for certain commitments. I've said, okay I can still do the X, Y, and Z, but I can't do this one thing because it's taking up too much time. And that was fine. No one pushed back on that. I no. was very well supportive. I think 
just getting involved is really important. I think you, you've, I really like what you said earlier, Don, um, and I'm now confusing words, but the transcript will have it, and this is going to be a quote. But basically, Don, match your, uh, you know, your title to your person, like who you are as your a person. Word. It's not the same. That, that's not, and it's so important because, especially in this industry, um, you will be surprised who you will come across over the, your career journey. And the title you had yesterday doesn't apply to the title tomorrow. But the connection that you've made does. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. A lot of young people, and speaking from personal experience, not even young, because to be honest with you, I speak to a lot of women across the market, and yeah. I'm sure men feel that as well. We kind of put a lower of value depending on where we are in the hierarchy of the company, right? Yeah. But you, you, know, you say something around join the network, being the leader on the network. A lot of people wouldn't, Maybe they'll join the network, but they will never put their hand up to be on a committee or something like that because they will think, well, I'm not senior enough. But that what I'm hearing from you is it's not about seniority, it's about your passion, commitment. it's about what you commitment, yeah. what you believe, isn't it? And and just asking. There's no oh, yeah, harm sorry. done. I don't think there's any harm. I think I wanted to get into like a leadership position in the DEI space and I thought, oh, my company has a massive network. I can just ask them, can I join? And they said, yeah. yes, there was no pushback. There was no, yeah. you're only a graduate. I think like a lot of the time, my mentor told me this like, when I first joined, like don't let anyone think, tell you that your experience is too little or you haven't had mm. an exposure. When it comes to broking an account, it's different. Like not on my nine to five, in terms of like the wider market, like even with the award nominations and that's like putting yourself out there in terms of like just your own progression or your own like external goals. So like not saying that you can't do these things anywhere, but you can. But I think the main thing is that you have to have the desire to want to do more yeah. and the time. Like, I'll be honest, there's been weekends I've had to do, like, the I stuff because I can't do it until my nine to five. Or, like, I'm doing things in the evening after work. I don't mind the sacrifice that I'm making because I, I actually care about these initiatives. Yeah. I care about the events. I care about what I'm doing. But also, like, I'm committed to what I'm doing. Like, I'm passionate about it. So it really doesn't feel like work to me. Like, my nine to five, and like things I do in terms of networking are like very separate in my head because like I see my networking as like a personal growth thing. So mm. like I'm trying to build up my own network individually because I think, like you said, your network will follow you your entire career. Like, yeah. say if I took was 25 years and decided to move at 35 or 55, whatever age it is, mm. if I have a network that's very extensive, it'd be really easy to make a move. People who trust and know me and like value my character. Whereas if you don't know anyone outside of the company, it's just a lot more difficult yeah I would say but I think I network the idea of moving anywhere but I think it's really important to have people that can champion you also certain conversations can't be had like with colleagues like certain things yes. that you have experienced in the office or that you're going through or considering that you have to speak to an external person with which is why I'm so happy I have so many mentors like I have so many mentors <laughs> but I actually prefer to like Yasmin as a sponsor now because yeah. she's spoken so highly about me across the market that like she's actually helped like I would say like almost boost my representation in the mm. market but just by how she speaks about me how positive she is about when she discusses my name like I've had people approach me saying oh I met Yasmin she mentioned you we should have a coffee she spoke so highly of you like it's Amazing. honestly incredible how like your reputation can really precede you that can really help just form connections and like mm. it's not even about using those anytime soon but I think just having those established is really important especially in insurance because as a broker, I have seen firsthand that, like, connections are everything. Like, we have certain brokers that, like, 
their entire job is to like manage relationships because they yes. know so many important people that they have met at my age or perhaps even a slightly older that have same touch with 30 odd years and they're now leveraging those connections to help the company so imagine like helping your company on a wider level internally because you have these extensive strong connections that you've curated by accident in the Lloyd's yeah. market in like 1980 you never even know how it can help you in the future so I think it's really important to establish the networks and like connections early on because it's just so much easier at the start of your career when you have the time I think mm. time is a very big factor and very well as you get up your kind of the career ladder you have more commitments for work and like less time dedicated to your own personal I guess like not personal growth I think in terms of networking but you're growing personally though right yeah because you definitely. are developing so many skills and you are which are so transferable for your for your personal life. I mean, I'm conscious of our time, and I really wanted to uh, briefly touch on um, your TikTok account and social <laughs> yeah. media. And you know, there's a, I, I often talk about social media power, but kind of um, there's a lot of people wanting to jump on TikTok, and I always kind of go think first. Why it's a lot of work, you know, have yeah. your purpose. So why did you join? Like, what got you thinking? You know, what 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 do you gain from it? Is actually the, okay. you know, not because I know people join because they feel like they have to whatever. But I'm interested in what do you get from TikTok. So I first joined Samantha Ridgewell actually mm-hmm. reached out to myself and to other people by LinkedIn yeah. about a TikTok community. So she has a group chat on WhatsApp where she like sends encouraging words and like just gives us like ideas, etc just to help like essentially boost insurance talk I yeah. would say so I was part of that group chat and I was really apprehensive first my first video Samantha was so nice to me it's like Sam was so lovely she was really friendly yeah. she liked the videos you shared it etc I think that gave me like, the boost that I needed I think because I was looking through corporate TikTok in general and I saw so many consultants investment bankers I saw everyone and I hadn't seen one insurance professional mm. and especially when like if you're not in the financial services sector people don't really know that corporate insurance is not car insurance. I think yes. breaking some of those myths is really important because also, like, I think we have some of the coolest events. Like, I have genuinely been to some of the best events of my life in insurance. Like, mm. I've been to bake-offs. I've been to really nice dinners. I've been, um, what's it called? I'm going on a retreat soon. Like, I think I've had so many different experiences that I haven't had to pay for that have yeah. been technically part of like my job technically in terms yeah. of public connection which is great and also have been really fun experiences with external networks I think a lot of the time I wasn't seeing that on TikTok from insurance I think if you search insurance TikTok you just see Lloyd's of London at best I think yeah. showing Lloyd's is important but also showing like the market the fun events like the young people I think also like I know I have a I follow somebody on TikTok a bunch of grads I think from Munich Re, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Munich Re grad. They have their own like TikTok account. And like they just post like days in the office of them having fun, like also working, but of also course. like just having fun, chatting, getting coffees, going for lunch together. I think that like social aspect, like people don't always like realize that the graduate schemes are like an extra like social community, I would say. Cause like I get to hang out with them. Like, for example, my grad scheme, we have paid socials. Like we get to like we have a committee of two or three grads that pick events for us. Like every quarter we get to go we went go-karting this quarter it's like we get to go to an experience like either a dinner we have drinks we have food etc so we went go-karting as like a joint graduate class which is honestly so much fun again this was completely like part of my job and like it was really fun people my own age that I've known for about a year now so I think 
it's nice having that social side of the job. I think people don't always see that. So I'm trying to show that more through TikTok because insurance is not just boring. And obviously not every part of it is glamorous, but I think the fun parts are definitely downplayed and people don't understand what insurance is and what the industry is about. Yeah. So I think it, so TikTok really, you know, is showcasing the the fun part of, ins- yeah. of insurance, as you said, and more people can join the better. I know it's an increasing trend between young people, but I'm, you know, I think that's where the audience are on TikTok. But yeah. I think that would be amazing if we see more of that. I certainly now that I follow these kind of accounts like yours, uh, you know, <laughs> you do see you do see more, which is which is great. So you've mentioned a last question that we always close with, and and you've mentioned already a little bit of it. Thanks to insurance, what have you been able to experience that you think you otherwise may not have? So an event that stand out or person that you met or personal growth whatever it is okay in terms of personal growth I think the way that I have networked I would not have had the time or the confidence if it was a different industry I'm just aware that insurance have so many different events and I have seen so I was at the very start of the graduate scheme I would just search like insurance events and then like, I'd find one on a Tuesday or Thursday go on my own I think like wow. the confidence to go to a networking event on your own is unparalleled like I really had to walk into a room with strangers and introduce myself with no connections there and like now I walk into joint events and I know at least a handful of people which is nice but that took about nine months to build but yeah. the personal growth in my career so also I've had award nominations through networking and I'm going to a ceremony in October Exciting. thank you I was as shortlisted for Young Broker of the Year award so like that would never have happened if I hadn't been networking so extensively so I think that experience when it happens because of my networking which I've done for the last nine ten months I would also say like in terms of events like I went to a sip and paint with a bunch of people in the industry where are you going to paint that right (laughs) I mean for those who don't know sip and paint is basically a DJ you know you paint but you also have DJ it's got like a club vibe is the word that comes to me whilst you paint it it's all just bit yeah you wouldn't think insurance comes to that kind of thing so and that was was, um ltl so tennis group and then i met some underwriters there that happened to be in dno that i now work with but i think everything comes around full circle and like it was great to like see them in a very casual setting and now to work with them like i know them properly as a person i'm not just like about their title or Mm. their company i actually know their personality and other hobbies their interests through networking with them and it's happened that I'm now moving to know, but I think it's really important to like go to these events. It's like the social side of like the whole. So my underwriters will take my entire team out for drinks, not just like casually. But um, mm. I think sometimes it's nice to be able to form connections, not in the office. I think a lot of corporate jobs are very much office focused, like desk jobs, as like insurance. Even though I'm not always working, I'm still out in the market quite a lot. So I think it's very much a social like mobile role mm-hmm. I would say yeah. I, I love being a broker I don't think I'll change professional like title anytime soon mm-hmm. and I'm really enjoying it but I definitely say like in terms of networking and exposure my personal confidence has definitely increased like I feel more confident in myself like I know who I am like my job is not my personality but it's part of like my identity I would say to an extent yeah. and like I'm happy with my job I'm happy with like where I'm working and like being on a graduate scheme or even having security of like knowing that I'm going to have my qualifications in a couple of years like I'll be done the studying after my degree but um I think it's just nice having a community of people that I can relate to that know what I'm going through that I'm the same company as me we're all going through the same experience the same exam like I think it's nice having community because I think 
your early 20s can be very challenging if you mm-hmm. haven't got like stability routine just deadlines I think if you haven't got deadlines it's hard to stay focused sometimes I'm happy that I have that structure in my life through my graduate scheme and like through my company so I'm really enjoying it I love that. I Thank really you. do. And for those who are not on graduate scheme, put yourself some deadlines and get an accountable person. Yeah. <laughs> that could help you. But now I really appreciate it. It's been so many amazing tips. We'll put a um a link to your LinkedIn for anyone Thanks. that maybe wants to reach out if they if that's okay. That's fine. If anyone ask any questions. So many tips. I mean, you're going to be my go-to for quotes, support for all sorts of social media. Uh, but yeah, really happy. Thank you very much for joining me. And um, thanks for having me. Best of luck in your career. I look forward Thank to you. following it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. Help us spread the word by following us on LinkedIn and TikTok at 100 Women in Insurance. Rate our podcast and share it on your social media platforms. Remember, this is a podcast for you, so your opinion matters to us. If you have any recommendations or comments, please get in touch through our social media. We would love to hear from you. See you in our next episode.